Welcome to the Passion Business Podcast, the podcast for free spirits with a big idea who want to turn their passion into a business. I'm Anka Herman, and I'm your host. My guest today is on a mission to empower women business owners who are experts in their fields. She helps them fine-tune their operations and scale the revenue for strategic growth. Her own life journey, the good and the bad, allows her to course-correct clients by leading and advising with compassion, empathy, and quiet resolve. She raised three fantastic kids, all of whom have launched their careers and also work in her company. So she essentially raised her own workforce. Welcome, Patty Block. Hello and welcome, Patty. I'm excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. So let's just dive straight in. Let people know where you're based, where you're from, and what's your business. You bet. I'm based in Houston, Texas, in the U.S., and my company focuses on business advising for women-owned businesses. And in particular, I focus on teaching women how to price their services for value and how to reimagine how they're selling so it feels more like matchmaking. Ooh, ooh, I love that. So now my guess would be that you didn't come out of school knowing that that's what you were going to do. You start out. You're absolutely right. I think when we're growing up, no one tells us that life is not a straight line. And we discover that, and maybe that's part of our journey, which is fine, but I feel like I could have been much better prepared if someone had said to me, you know, it doesn't necessarily happen the way we see it in movies. So I actually got my degrees in uh, anthropology and was planning to be a primatologist. I studied primates and really loved that field because it, there was such a strong link to human behavior and quickly realized that that probably wasn't the best way to earn a living and shifted. I had always been politically involved. And so I ended up as a political consultant and a lobbyist. And I do have to say, there's more in common between primates and politicians <laughs> than we might want to admit. So how did you get into that? Like if you say, I mean, how does one get into that world? You know, I had been politically active all my life. I had been in, especially in high school and college. And as I volunteered more and more for candidates and for causes, people started offering to pay me. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of an accidental business that grew into a really nice, healthy business. However, while I learned a lot and it was really fascinating, I'm so glad I don't live in that world now. And the idea was I built my company as a political consultant, but my revenue was up and down because it was tied to the election cycle. And because of that, I added lobbying, which was great, but it required a lot of travel. So for about eight years, I built my business. Now I had gotten married. I had three little kids. It was a, a career that I could have working from home, even way back when. And that actually worked fine for me and great for my kids. What was a huge detour for me is after eight years of having and growing that business, I had a surprise divorce and realized pretty quickly I needed to stop traveling, stabilize things for my kids. And, you know, that straight line we talked about, 
Yes, that, that didn't exist. So I knew I needed to make some really difficult decisions, which is what I did. I closed my company and I went to work for an international school as director of development, handling marketing, public relations and, and fundraising, and then became director of operations. So one of my really strong issues when I had my political consulting company was if there were resources to help me grow and scale my company, I didn't know how to find them and I didn't know who to trust. And I will tell you in the political world, nobody trusts anybody. <laughs> so because of that, I had a strong desire to be that resource for other women business owners because I was dealing with a lot of the same things my clients were. So that was a huge motivator for me. Once I served as director of operations for this international school, then I wanted to bring all that experience in finance and operations to the small business market. So I started this company in 2006 and everything I learned about primate behavior, human behavior, about working with politicians, about lobbying on issues, being an advocate, all of those experiences got wrapped up in what I'm currently doing now. That's beautiful. And I think there's a lot of power in that when you get to really bring everything to the table when nothing's left out that will catch you up, will call you, hey, what about this? What? Yeah, I can really see that. See, what, what I'm curious, what's your take on women versus men in business, right? So you obviously, you specialize for women because, you know, in my experience, like women need different kinds of support. What's your take on that? Yes, not only different types of support, but we have different challenges. And a lot of that starts with what we believe. And we believe different things than most men do. And part of that is, in my view, men are typically raised to be breadwinners. Women are not. And that is a whole different mindset when you know you're responsible for supporting yourself and your family and you can't count on any other income, that's a very different approach to business than if you have two incomes or you have a spouse who is working in a job with a steady paycheck. That is a very different circumstance. So I became a breadwinner, not necessarily by choice, right? So we did have two incomes when we were married and we're having our children. And my youngest was two when we divorced. So I had little kids at home and he's now turning 30. So the time goes in the blink of an eye. Yeah, it goes in the blink of an eye. But all of that to say, the, all of my life experience, the journey, the reason I work with women has nothing to do with guy bashing. I raised two sons. So it's not about male or female. It's about the challenges we face and where I believe I make the biggest impact. And that is on helping women understand things differently, perceive things differently, and communicate differently. So to give you an example, when I was growing up, my mom used to make these fabulous cookies. The whole house smelled good. It was warm and the cookies were gooey. And all my life, I watched my mom eat the broken cookies. But it wasn't until I was a teenager that I thought to ask her, why do you only eat the broken cookies? Do they taste better? And she laughed and said, no, I eat the broken cookies so you can have the whole ones. And not too long ago, I was out for a walk and I realized that's what we as women are doing in our businesses. 
that spirit of self-sacrifice, what I call the broken cookie effect, we are bringing that right into our businesses. And we have this mistaken belief that everyone else should have the whole cookie. Our clients, our staff, our families, everybody else gets the whole cookie. And we're living on crumbs. And I have seen this because I've worked with women business owners for such a long time. It is so pervasive. I've seen it over and over. And it doesn't matter what industry. If you're a service-based business, my guess is you're struggling with your pricing and you're guessing. And often we're guessing wrong because we undervalue ourselves. We weren't raised to be breadwinners, typically. And because of that, our pricing, we're really undervaluing ourselves. And that means our, pro- our companies are not profitable. That means we can't bring in the staff we need to support us. It, there are so many trickle-down effects. So in my view, everything starts with pricing. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I mean, I, I would, yeah, the, first of all, it's not a straight line, oh boy, isn't that the truth? <laughs> you know, I always say, like, if you want to give it a shape, it's a spiral, right? And it's interesting. I see it actually that, I, like, I love the, I love the, yeah, I'm going to have that smell of cookies in my, <laughs> in my mind now. But it's true. I actually, yeah, what, like, mostly with women. And what I see a lot is exactly that women tend to struggle make, to make progress because they work on their business only after everything else is done in the house. And there's literally what women perceive needs to be done before they can allow themselves to actually do some work on the business. It's mind staggering. You know, and it's it's like everything needs to be the dishes need to be done and the kids need to be driven around, right? And so sometimes I grew up in East Germany and my idea of I'd go like, but the kid's 12, you know, the kid could do that. <laughs> and so, but like a mother will like quickly go, no, no, but I have to do all these things first. So I don't want to be there's so much stuff going on, you know, so many stories, also what's expected to be good, like, will that make me a bad mother? And you can go down a rabbit hole really, really quickly. Can definitely see that. Part of that too is I think as women, we take responsibility for things that are not our responsibility. And one of the things I often share with my clients is your job is to find the solution. You don't have to be the solution. So if you have, so I have a training company that I work with for many years and she had other trainers. And if a trainer got sick, she felt as though it was her responsibility to step in and do their training. And what I wanted her to understand was, that's really not your job. Your job is to find another trainer that can fill that role. Otherwise, you have to put aside everything that is your responsibility. So it's about understanding what your responsibilities are and meeting those without necessarily being the one to do the work. Yeah, so true. And I also want to come back to what you were saying about the pricing, because I'd be like, oh boy, when I started my first business, the sewing business, enthusiasm, 100% enthusiasm, very little of anything else. And I totally fell into that trap. I got to a point where I was so busy and I ended up working through the night when it needed to be, because when, when it was necessary to get something done. And it was dance costumes, right? So there was a performance. There was no, oh, I'll finish it a day later. Like, no, no, <laughs> you know, nobody will change the performance date because the dressmaker couldn't get the act together. And I noticed, that's when I really saw it. 
that I couldn't afford to get, like I wasn't charging enough to get somebody else to help me. Exactly, which also creates a situation where you're very isolated. You can't have people supporting you and be, you know, helping you in your business because you can't afford to hire them. Yeah, so how do you go about, like if you have somebody like me who has started a business and so I started out and um, okay, here I'm making these costumes and I started out pricing whatever. And I, you know, when I saw, well, actually, ooh, you know, you're not charging enough. Then there was this like, yeah, but if I charge more then all my clients go away. So how do you take people from this mind? Like, okay, this is way too little you're charging. How do you guide them to a place where they can make a real business out of it? So it's a great question. And it's also a great observation that your fear of losing clients holds you back. And that's true of all of us, of course. And so that's what I have to work with first is the fear. So there's lots of fears. There's fear that it will feel like conflict when you raise your prices. And actually, I don't always recommend raising prices. I recommend building a structure around your pricing with a rationale behind it so that you can communicate it better and you're feeling more confident when you do that and your buyer understands it better and they understand the value that you're bringing. So everything that I'm teaching is about pricing for value, building value. So I know it sounds a little bit academic to say you want to build value in the mind of your buyer, but that's really what I'm teaching. It's not about what you're worth, right? Because, because here's the thing, as people, as humans, we all have intrinsic value and meaning we are valuable people, no matter what we do, no matter what our career is, we are valuable. And when you start linking that to pricing or to what you charge for your services, then it becomes an identity issue. And I just think those have to be separated because what you charge has nothing to do with you as a person or your self-worth or your identity. So I do want to make that distinction. However, there is value that you're bringing to your clients that you probably are not thinking about. For example, you've probably spent your whole career building your network. You have people that you trust. They trust you. They're experts in their fields. If someone called you and said, I'm looking for this kind of resource, you would connect them. Tremendous value there. Mm -hmm. And yet we don't think about that as a quote service to our clients. We just think, oh, of course, I'm going to connect them with valuable resources right? Valuable people. And so what I do is we, we work first on the fears Mm -hmm. and then we work on how do you shift how you're thinking about pricing just across the board? Because a lot of my clients have come out of corporate careers and either they didn't have to worry about pricing or they priced hourly. Mm -hmm. So the hourly billing model, especially in the U S especially in professional services, like accounting and and law, that has been so drilled into everyone that you have to bill hourly. And it's all about your hourly rate. And really what I teach is a method to make your hourly rate irrelevant. Doesn't make any difference because you're pricing for value, not for time. And you're not selling your time. You're selling your expertise. 
Yeah, no, I love I love you making that so clear because it's something I see all the time that again, I learned in the sewing business because you sometimes see people like, oh yeah, but people don't want to pay and it takes so long to make and it took me 20 years to learn. I'm like, nobody cares, right? What people, people care about what's valuable to them, right? And I, I, I there's examples. I remember a client who wasn't even a dancer, like I can't remember even how she found me, but she had like a hip problem. So her hip was a little out. So she could never buy a dress that would fit her, right? So she asked me to make a dress. She didn't care what it cost, right? So to have a dress that was flattering her body shape, that was, you know, had the right proportions, the color she liked, you know, the, the, the fabric, the pattern that went with her favorite shoes or whatever it was, right? That was priceless to her. And she did not care what it cost. And it wasn't about how long it took me to learn how to make these tulip-shaped sleeves. So it had nothing to do with that. And I think there's a lot of liberation in understanding that as well, because it's no longer, it's no longer personal, you know? And, you, and sometimes what you think is your, the thing you want to offer turns out to just not be a product if, you, if somebody else doesn't really value it enough. Yes, and misunderstanding what you're selling. Mm. So you may think you're selling tax return preparation, but that's not what your buyers value because they can go anywhere to get that. They value the trust they've built with you. They value your expertise in a particular area. They value that you're accessible. They value that if they need an additional resource, they trust that you're gonna help them get connected. Those are all the reasons that people buy and what they value. And the point you made a minute ago is so perfect about she didn't care what it cost for that dress because she understood that very few, if any other people could give her what she wanted. You could give her what she wanted. And that's all about perceived value. Exactly. So it doesn't really matter what we think the price should be. It matters what our buyers think is valuable. And the good news is we can actually build perceived value. And that's the core of what I teach. How do you build perceived value so that you're finding the right buyers who really understand what it is that you're providing and the, the whole display of value. It's not just one thing. It's not just that service you're providing. It's a whole display of value that comes when they hire you. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's beautiful because that's, I think, I really agree that is the key because I think there's like the moment you have more cash flow coming in, then all of a sudden other things become possible right? Then you can get somebody to edit the podcast, right? So it's just like, it's just that whole snowball effect. And do you think the whole idea of be a woman being the main breadwinner, it's something that's been coming up a lot because it has always been my, my situation. And I always, like, there is a sense that you get the sense there's more at stake here. But at the same time, I actually also remember speaking to somebody who was in that situation where the husband had this really successful business. So anything she wanted, he goes, oh, you just get it, the business pays for it. And I remember initially, like having this sense of almost jealousy. It's like, oh, I wish you, you had it so easy until we talked because she had a total different set of problems. She had this whole 
none of what I do means anything. Right. So where I thought, well, actually, after that conversation, I think I'd swap with you. So there's really different, different set of challenges in there as well. I think that's true. It, for me, it comes down to control. What do I control? What do my clients control? And one thing you really do control is your pricing. All of the women that I work with are very purpose driven. So to exactly your point, having that sense of purpose knowing that they're making an impact, knowing that their clients need them, want them, trust them, that is a really powerful feeling. Now, I also work with lots of people who have dual income households, but you're right about the stakes being higher when you have single income, because not only are the stakes higher, but the pressure is higher and the stress is different. So, you know, again, I have been a single mom of three little kids, raising them on my own. And there was certainly a lot of pressure and a lot of stress. And I had to be there to get here. And here is great. But I also appreciate the level of control that I had in determining what my next moves were and when I was going to start this business and how I was going to start it. And having that autonomy to do what I wanted and needed to do to serve others. So yes, you're right. There are different problems and different stresses, but I also think dealing with that kind of stress and, and I've taught my kids this too, you will get knocked down. We all do. It's not how you get knocked down. It's how you get back up. And so my experiences in getting back up, after being knocked down, after being so shocked and horrified by my divorce, by realizing that I was going to be raising three kids on my own, all of those elements actually make me more empathic, more compassionate, more understanding of what my clients are dealing with. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's true, isn't it? Like there's always a gift, you know, in every in every challenge, right? There's always something. I mean, I wonder, you know, like if you were, if you could go back, you know, the question is, would you even want to go back? You know? I don't think so. The only thing, I, there are certainly things I would do differently. And there are ways that I wish I could have been the fun mom. I was not the fun mom because I didn't have that luxury. I was the one who was consistent and predictable and disciplined and so, and required discipline from my kids. Now, with that said, my goal was always to raise good human beings. And I've done that. And my children are amazing human beings. And they've all finished college, graduate school, started their careers. And now they're all three business owners. I love and, that. I'm, and I'm their business advisor, which is totally cool because they actually listen to me. And time, I don't know, but I was advised they probably listen to you more than they would have listened to mom when they did. Exactly, exactly. And they also, all three, work in my business because so, I've hired them mm. to work in my business. So it's like I raise my own workforce. So the, that relationship with my kids, I wouldn't change anything about that. Do I wish I could go back and have less stress and have it not? having not experienced that kind of trauma? Sure. Of course I do. But as I said, it led me here and here is exactly where I want to be. 
Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. I just love that whole family business. Like you've raised your own workforce. So what's, got, what's on the horizon? What have you got planned? So I have several programs that I'm continuing to promote. One is called Revenue Roundtable. And it's a group coaching program that is unlike a group coaching program that you may have heard of before. The whole focus of it is generating more revenue with less stress. And so you can see that underlying theme of my dealing with stress and trauma and things that life throws at you has helped me help others deal with stress. And so I have a program called Value Driven Pricing. And that is included when you become a member of Revenue Roundtable. So it starts with that common language, with understanding how to deal with your fear around pricing, around dealing with money. And Revenue Roundtable is a group of women who I curate very carefully because I want it to be a safe space, not only where you have a supportive environment from your peers, but they also challenge you. And they really challenge you to shine because as women, we have a really hard time talking about ourselves because it feels like bragging. I'm based in Houston, Texas. And in Texas, we have a saying, it's not bragging if it's true. Exactly. So that is part of helping my clients understand that you're not bragging when you're talking about your successes and your results and how you can deal with those feelings around it. So Revenue Roundtable is a really unique program of supportive women that have come together. They're all pretty much two to 10 years in business, and we meet regularly and we work on specific strategies for strategically growing your revenue. So, and for exactly the reason you mentioned earlier, because that gives you so many more choices and really empowers you when you're bringing in more money. So that's the revenue roundtable. Value-driven pricing is the program that teaches these basics of building perceived value in the mind of your buyer. And I also have a program called Painless Selling to Ideal Buyers. And that is the program that teaches women how to treat selling more like matchmaking. And the other thing I'd like to offer to your audience, so you can access all of those programs at my website, which is theblockgroup.com. And the other thing I'd like to offer your audience, I have a quiz called myrevenueroadblocks.com. And that is for you to go through, it you, will help you identify what your revenue roadblocks are, what is keeping you stuck in terms of generating revenue. And when you take the quiz, which of course is free, the, you get a report and it will lay out for you not only some of the the things that you might be dealing with currently, but also some of the limiting beliefs that we experience and how you can deal with those. So I encourage your audience to take the quiz, myrevenueroadblocks.com. Very cool. Well, thank you so much. I'm obviously going to put all the details in the show notes as well. And I love that you've actually spelled it out for people. So for those who are only listening in the car, who you can go there straight away. And uh, yeah, quiz is always fun. And I think no, knowing where you're stuck is almost the first, is always the first, the first place. Yeah, and I wish you, I wish you could help loads and loads of business owners because I think, yeah, I think women business owners. So well, thank you so much. 
Thank you. That's my mission is I need to get my message out to more women business owners because running your business does not have to be that hard and it does not have to be painful. So that is absolutely my mission. So thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity to visit with you today and, and really thank you. Thank you so much. And you've just given me the title for the episode. This doesn't have to be that hard. It's beautiful because that's the thing we can so easily overcomplicate things. So thank you so much. And I'll speak to you again soon. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe and leave a review to help others find it. If you are a coach, speaker or author, a passionate big picture thinker with a vision and you want to build an online business to reach and impact more people, go to passionbusinesspodcast.com and download a free copy of my book, Taming the Tech Monster. And join my free community, Don't Just Learn, Create, Business Building for Mavericks to connect with others on the same path. That's passionbusinesspodcast.com. I'll speak to you soon.